Yeah, it's been a long time since I last recorded an episode. And I think all of my listeners know that I'm studying really hard so that I can get licensed by the Israeli Ministry of Tourism to be a tour guide in all of historic Palestine. And the exam date is now set for the 28th of December. So I know what I'm working towards. I will try to record some episodes in the coming time, uh, probably mostly historical episodes, because that really also helps me doing some research and studying several important topics. But in the meantime, past summer, I have also been working on a trilogy for Pax Palestine podcast. Pax for Peace is an organization in the Netherlands that I have made podcast episodes for them before. And this time they asked me to do three episodes about their civil society for dignity project that they do with local partners in Palestine. I decided to also upload them here so that you can listen to them. And I hope that you will enjoy this trilogy. are listening to the Pax Palestine podcast, a podcast that features interviews with some of the local Palestinian partners of Pax, a peace organization based in the Netherlands. Pax works together with committed citizens and partners to protect civilians against acts of war, to end armed violence and to build a just peace. In Palestine, Pax supports local partners in building resilient communities promoting human security and equality in the political, cultural and social domain and in fighting the injustices resulting from the protracted occupation. My name is Crystal and I'm your host. I am a Dutch citizen living in Palestine with my Palestinian husband and two children. Besides running a cafe and a bar in Bethlehem, I produce a weekly podcast called Stories from Palestine. For Pax, I produced this special trilogy of interviews with the local partners that Pax supports. we learned something about the project Civil Society for Dignity, we want to understand a little bit more about how that is implemented in practice. And one of the projects is regarding media training. So I'm sitting here with Anwar and with Hayat, and you both have been involved in this project. So I would really like to understand from you more about how do you use media in order to get people more involved as civil society within your government, within your councils, and within life, within the daily life. So maybe before we start, you can introduce yourself so that we know who are we talking to. My name is Anwar. I'm uh, the project coordinator, media and outreach coordinator for Civil Society and Dignity Project. I work with Middle East Nonviolence and Democracy Ment, who's partner in this project. So this is Hayat Hamdan. I'm a journalist. And in this project, I was as a media trainer for the group. Yes, thank you very much. Maybe we will start with Anwar and you can tell us a little bit more on what the purpose of the media training was and who was the target group. 
We give participatory video trainings. The methodology behind this training is to give people voice, to let people say what they want to say, to give authentic stories from people that they tell their own stories. So we bring people together in order to discuss issues relevant to their reality, to their issues, background, social and political issues. Then they choose a topic to talk about and then they make a video about it. This video will be presented and discussed by their own society. We targeted youth who's active in civil society. We had a small group of youth. And were they from the Bethlehem area or are they from different regions? We gave four trainings in this project, one in Jenin, one in Bethlehem, one in Jericho, and one in Hebron. And were you involved in all those different trainings? Only in Bethlehem. And what was your role? You had to train them in doing what? Yes, in doing participatory video. This kind of technique in teaching media, it depends on collect a group of people or community to create their own film. This film going to explore their ideas, their feeling. And when we break the ice during this course by giving such a trainings for the participants, for example... I was responsible about telling what we have today, a training. So we have all the time, all the days of training, we have the camera set on in the middle of the classroom. So the participant should turn on the camera and do the sitting by themselves. So this kind of technique taught them how to present yourself in front of the camera and in addition to how to film others. So you have to film and be filmed. So this technique going to let them take the responsibility. We are not here just to listen or we have a lecture that there is a trainer who is going to teach us some new things. No, we all together, we share ideas, we share the technique of learning. So for me, I'm a journalist in the field for seven years, almost for seven years. And what I found out in the Palestinian society that youth, there is an absence of a safe or a healthy environment. So when you are encouraging those youth and you are putting them in an environment that saying, I am here, I'm all ears. So all your ideas, it's going to be on screen. Your voice going to be heard here in our session. So many stories, many success stories that we touched on those participants. Especially I remember... Nuha. Nuha, she was uh, really exciting about the training and we find her, she's coming the earlier one, before me even, before Anwar. She's saying that I love media and when I registered for this training, you made me more belonging to this kind of media. So when we see this feedback from participants, that is the success for us. Do you know what happened to Nuha afterwards? Did she continue in media or do something else after this training? I want just to add that most of the trainers in the training don't have any media background. They Some of them. Yeah, some of the, just a little number of them. Yeah, yeah. But usually they, they don't have a media background.
background. Noha, you'd welcome to film meetings. She always comes. She one of the most active ones. She still comes to most of project activities. Also, she told me that she wanted to have a camera now and start working on Shooting the field. People. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So what were some of the stories that used to come up during these sessions? What is it that people wanted to express? We have many different issues was brought up on all trainings in Bethlehem, Jenin, Jericho, and every area has something different, but most of them have something in common. For example, the woman participation, the gender-based violence, those subjects were coming up in all of training. Also, some topics like people with the disabilities in Palestine, how they live, how they work in this infrastructure, especially in the area of Jericho. This this topic was a very rough topic because Jericho have a very poor infrastructure for people with their disabilities. Also, we have in Hebron, we have the issue of the lack of water, especially in the area C, where the water comes every 40 days. So they made a film about a housewife, a very simple story and authentic about a housewife that wants to clean her house and does not have the water in the house. So through this, we addressed the issue that the municipality gives the water every 40 days because Israel controls the water in the area sea and also how the citizens deal with the, these issues. If somebody had such a story and wanted to put that into a video, what are the practical skills that you have to teach them in order to be able to convey that message? So one of the methods that we used in the class, the brainstorming, when they are divided into groups, they are brainstorming their ideas. So when they agree on one idea, for example... The previous days when they have to learn the technique way of shooting this idea, going to let them do the process exactly how they've been taught. For example, they knew how to do the storyboard of such a story. So if you have idea in your mind, for example, our training was in a center for people with disabilities and for a women union. So, for example, they want to do a report about the people with disabilities in the same center we are in. So they apply all what they learned, the technique they learned from storyboard, from how to shoot in that report. So it was such a training before doing the official films that we come out of the training later. So I think that we are all exposed to be interviewed in TVs or in any media platform. So nowadays we are living on, on those technique of media, you know, there is 98% of people in Palestine, they have mobile phone, they use internet. So when you are using internet and you would like to shoot yourself at least, at least from this training, they know how to do a picture or how to do the video. For example, the headroom. You are going to notice the headroom technique when you are watching such an interviews or such a film. So this is, I think, that what we yani, gained from this uh, training. Let them know those techniques, help them later. Maybe some of them would like to open their own projects. For example, nowadays, the podcast, 
podcast is very يعني, separate in our society. So if you would like to do a podcast, maybe you don't have the technique, but you have the content. Okay, so we focused on the content in our course as well when we told them about how to do the process of idea or it was for for example it was challenging for the group to articulate their feelings into words or into an image so when they have this chance just to gather just to uh, each other have for example one word one word they will collect those words and come up with the idea so this kind of training i think it's very important for our youth in society it's really giving them advantage to the positive uh, change, to interact with their families, their friends, their sons, maybe their parents in-house in a good way. Because when you know your aim later in future, so you are going to to step by step toward your aim. When you are organized in your ideas, I think the success is going to be yours. It's actually a skill that's much bigger than just doing the media. It's about how to think what is important for you, how to put that into words and how to put that into action. Yeah, you can make your own media. You can tell your story on your own way. That's the main purpose. And also as a person and as a group, as a group having the same issue, the same problem, you can tell it in your way. You can understand, analyze your problem. That's the purpose behind the brainstorming, that you analyze what's the problem, how we can talk about it. Is it, for example, also possible, you think, after this training for the people who attended to use these skills and to start making social media videos themselves? And I'm not only asking about the skills, but also how do people feel about maybe touching on certain topics and posting that on social media, especially when it comes to, you know, problems that you would like to solve, issues that you see in your society. Is it in the Palestinian society easy to step up and say, okay, I would like to touch on certain problems around gender or problems around how people deal with handicapped people or the infrastructure that is not good? Is that something easy to do or is that something that is a big step for people to take? I think it's something need a high, high, high responsibility toward what you are publishing on social media. So when we are seeing about that there is 98% of our people in Palestine, they are using internet, but they are using it carefully. Or do they do the fact checking for the information that they gain all or they are published? So nowadays, for sure, you are hearing about the term of citizen media. When there is a citizen who is recording such an event, for example, in a street. So did you ask yourself, do I am evaluating their privacy? For example, maybe they are doing something private. Do you have the right to capture them or film them? But because we are a state under occupation and because the political side, we cannot divide it from our economic or social or youth sectors. So... Nowadays, and there is many stories that the witness of such event, a political event that happened in the street, for example, Israeli soldier killed a Palestinian on the street, or if the settlers are attacking farmers on their land. So if there is a chance, by chance, there's one, he's crossing the street and he just opened his camera, his, his cell phone, okay? 
if he captured this event, so there is evidence that this event happened and they are attacking and they are killing Palestinians. So in this case, yes, you are responsible about what you are showing for the others. But on the other hand, when there is, for example, what we heard about yesterday just in Bethlehem, Many, many media platforms on Telegram, on Facebook and Instagram, they are separating incorrect information. So when you are doing this, you put the people, the other people that they are not relating to this event in a horrible issue. They are thinking of their kids who are on a media summer camp. How are we going to be there? So when you exaggerate the event, it's really going to be a false issue for you. But when you are showing something really true, really correct for your people, so yes, you are supporting them. Using social media, it's really need a high responsibility and to commit with the media ethics. The ethics of using media, we all should at least overview on it, at least. And there is also something that you have discussed during the training. Yes, yes, yes. For example, when we reach the ideas of the official films, they said that we would like to do a film about the violence against women. So do you have to go to the source of this story? So for example, these stories are taboo for us in the, in the Palestinian society. If I'm going as a trainee to this character, this girl, and asking her, I would like to share your story with the public, how you dealing with the virus. She said, no, I don't want. So when we taught them, if the interview doesn't want to appear on the story, so ask their permission if we can share her story and react it. And this is what we done. Actually, we did a film about violence against women. We took five stories about different women, real stories, and we do it as a drama film. And we taught them how to take a permission from the interviewees just to share their stories. So the media ethics, yes, it was on our priorities in this training. One of the issues, if you remember, the child labor, when we wanted to make a film about child labor. Child, yeah. Yeah, and it was a very sensitive topic that needs so much ethical consideration that they can't take the responsibility about this. So we switched the topic. Mm-hmm. Because our training was about one year after Corona, <laughs> so one of the group chose their topic to be about the effect of Corona on people, especially the tourism sector. So they and we did a film about Sammy T. I don't know if you know it. Most of oh, the foreign yes, of people. of course, yeah. <laughs> tea with Sammy, tea where with I it. always drink my tea. Yes. <laughs> He's very famous for the foreign people. So we did this film. Actually, it was really interesting talking to Sammy, but from a personal angle. For example, we put him on a chair in the middle of the street where his shop in. So we asked him from where you took this job, for example. He said from his dad and they are protecting this place. Then we asked him how the corona, the COVID-19 affect your work. He shared with us some ideas, how the municipality, does it support you or not? So we dig deep in talking with him about several issues So I don't want to talk about all the film. Maybe you will get chance to watch it for sure in future. 
But yes, we focus on several issues that the ideas come up from the trainees themselves. And after these films were done and made and ready, what was done with them? Where were they shown? How can people see them? One of the main purposes of these videos, also to build a bridge between people, to make people communicate and make connections, addressing a problem and solve it, or trying to find solution at least. So we, we take these films and share it in the locations. For example, Janine films, we share it in Janine. Also, maybe if we find, for example, the issue of people with disability, it could be addressed in the area of Janine, we screen it. But for example, we have one of the films made in Janine, which was about stone crashers that are unlicensed and how municipalities deal with the, these issues. So this film, it's an issue that particularly in Janine, so it wouldn't be useful if it presented in Hebron, for example. But there is some issues that come on between all areas. So these films has been shared and discussed with different groups and women centers, youth uh, centers. We shared it. They told us about like this technique of participatory videos and these videos are used to creating a deep understanding for some issues. Also to break some stereotypes, like, for example, some stereotypes about women in Jenin in politics. If we made a film talking about the daily life of a member in disability or active political member in, in Jenin, then this film was presented in many different areas in Jenin. That makes different when people have a chance to look at it differently. Also, during these sessions, feedback sessions, we call it feedback sessions, we have uh, different perspectives. We can see the same issues from many different perspectives and open a discussion between people that most of the time happens. People have arguments about this issue and this is actually the reason behind the screenings. For example, one of the films made in Jericho was about a bike film. It's one of my favorite films. It's about the biking in Jericho because Jericho is a very small city and uh, they used to use bicycles and all times the cars are new in Jericho. So they made a film about making a road for bicycles. And then the girls said, oh, we made the road for the bicycles. We still cannot uh, use the bicycle. Also, it was socially acceptable in, in Riha, in Jericho, using bicycles, but now it's not. So we decided to make a film about a girl who wants to use a, a bicycle in Jericho. So we made a film. Then we screened it in Academy for Male Youth in the Age of... 20. So it was like a very crazy idea for them, how we can accept our sisters to use bicycles. And it opened a very sensitive discussion, but it was healthy, where there was also a female teacher who started telling them stories about women. She brought up an example about her child. Her child is a teenager, not a child, actually. Her teenager girl that goes to school every day and she, she cannot take a taxi. A private taxi is only on Jericho. They don't have a public transportation. It's very expensive. She walks in the hot weather 
it's okay for her to walk in uh, in a very hot weather, but it's not okay to use bicycles. She asked this question. And then they started having arguments about these issues. And actually, I felt that something has changed, or at least they thought about it, those young males. So it's not only about the process of making these videos and bringing up topics that are important for you, but then afterwards when they are screened, there is this whole discussion that's going on that will maybe change the minds and thoughts of other people. So in this way, you're actually reaching out to a lot more people than just the people that are sitting with you in the training. Did you get to see any of the screenings? Did you join any of the screenings? Unfortunately, no. But you have seen the final results of some of the training? We watched it with the group, just in our classroom. I made some notes for development, for example. The editing wasn't within the group, so it was by that way. Did any of the municipalities, city councils, the people in charge, the people in the politics, get to see any of these videos? Or is it still more within the civil society that no, they are shown? We usually invite them. We have eight meetings in each location. We try to make some of them with civil society and other with decision makers to see what people want to address, for example, the water issue. They need to see it, but not always. They usually don't come, but we tried sometimes to make it inside the municipality to make them come. They see it. They hear what people are saying. But usually they are defensive, let's say, and this is not actually healthy. In my opinion, I see my personal opinion. <laughs> I see that the civil society, the meetings with people within the civil society, it's more beneficial to make people understand the issue addressed. Yes. Since you're a journalist, Hayat, you can see that the media has a specific role in distributing information, informing the public, and maybe also tackling some important issues that are going on in society. How do you see the role of the public in this field? You already mentioned that you feel people should be careful when they are playing journalists and stick to some of the journalist rules. But you as a journalist, is there a way that you can use people when they have these better skills, that you can use maybe their videos or the things that they bring up in social media in your own work? In my daily work, yes. Sometimes I depend on those citizen journalists because when I am, for example, in the center of Bethlehem and there is a event that's happening in, in a village, it's not near me, it's far away from me. So if I have a source there, a person who I trust and I have a confidence toward him or her, so I ask just shoot for me a small video. So I know that he's going to shoot something real, not to do something incorrect. So yes, as a journalist, I think that sometimes we have many sources of information, such as events, not formal events, just the daily events and the public in general. I think that they have the responsibility to tell the truth. And as a journalist, when I go to do a report with some people, when they hide a part of the truth, so this is terrible for me. Why you are hiding this? 
you have the responsibility to tell the whole story and let us as a journalist as a policy for the agency to decide if we're going to take this part or not but when you are hiding some facts it's going to let this an inappropriate way so it seems that this project with the media training has been pretty successful if there are people who are listening to this podcast who would be interested in seeing those videos, are they made public? Are they accessible somewhere? Or is it something that you really keep within, let's say, the Palestinian community or within your work, within the civil society? It will be published. It's not published yet. It will be screened in actually in Holland during the Peace Week with PACS. Also, it, it has been screened, as mentioned, in Palestinian society. It's also have these videos we always have some messages about Palestinian society about Palestinian struggle challenges real life how youth uh, live how women live how everybody lives we try to humanize the Palestinian stories with the very simple stories it just has to be human for a housewife living in her house without water it's it's a very short human story that's what we're trying to do with these videos for international audiences we're trying to tell stories from palestine in a very simple and not we tell we make people tell their stories and um, also this is one of the purposes of participatory video is not you don't need sorry Hayat but you don't need a journalist you don't need a filmmaker you don't need anyone to help you tell your story you can tell it with your phone even not with a very professional camera so the film will be published on YouTube on Mint website also on Facebook it will be screened in Holland as mentioned and yes that's it Thank you very much. I will add some relevant links to the show notes of this podcast episode so that people can easily go and click and find out more information. Thank you very much for coming, for your efforts. Thank you, Crystal. It's really nice to meet you. And again, I would like to add and to invite and to encourage other civil societies, institutions to adopt such a technique like that in trainings. PV video, it's something really interesting to make your society, your people to tell their stories by themselves. So when they see themselves for the first time on the camera, just sit and not Notice how their reaction going to be. It's the same that happened to us, me and Anwar. And when they hear their voices on the camera, it was really different. And it was really a lot of laughing in the class. So it's something really nice. And I encourage also the parents to bring their kids or their youth to such kind of training like that. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's easy. And it's simple. And also, videos usually reach people easier. You don't have to publish an article about some. It's it's harder to, especially when you're talking to different type of audiences. It's easier to use videos. Videos usually reach. And through these videos, we seek to change, filling the gaps between civil societies and uh, municipalities. That's one of the project purposes. So during a very simple tools, we try to make a difference in our society. And with that, we end the trilogy about the Civil Society for Dignity project in Palestine. (music) 
Thank you for listening to Pax Palestine podcast. If you want to know more about the work of Pax, you can visit their website paxforpeace.nl or click the link in the show notes of this podcast. My name is Crystal and you can find my weekly podcast Stories from Palestine on your favorite podcast player or on the website storiesfrompalestine.info.